0: Solve the World, Episode 15, Guideline Number One. Don't kill, don't kill, don't kill, don't kill, don't kill, don't kill. Professor of linguistics, George Lakoff, once wrote: A systematic cause may be one of a number of multiple causes. It may require some special conditions. It may be indirect, working through a network of more direct causes. It may be probabilistic, occurring with a significantly high probability. It may require a feedback mechanism. In general, causation in ecosystems, biological systems, economic systems, and social systems tends not to be direct, but is no less causal. And because it is not direct causation, it requires all the greater attention if it is to be understood and its negative effects controlled. Above all, it requires a name, Systematic Causation. Jen searched through every socio-strata ecosystem in her database. What could she use to overcome this? Who could she use? That's when Mrs. Moose and her keys came into focus. She was rich. She lived far enough away to make it a chore for whomever was hunting her. The most logical answer was to spill the beans to Patriot. There was a decent enough chance, Jen figured, that the Patriot could protect her from the beasts that ran Magical Kingdoms underground. If the substance they pierced her with was really some form of GPS, it's likely that it wouldn't work deep, underground anywhere, where the Patriot denizens lived. And even if it did track her, it'd only say where she was horizontally, right? It wouldn't tell them how far into the Earth's crust she was, right? But none of that mattered. She didn't trust the Patriot. Even if she gave him the very thing he's been salivating over, Jen didn't trust the Underworld Overlord to protect her. She was caught in the crosshairs of two warring sects. And that's why she chose the Moose. Although Mrs. Moose clearly had some sort of deal or relationship with the Patriot in place, she didn't seem directly connected. She was a helper, but perhaps not a disciple. That meant two things. She somehow was powerful enough to not have to be fully committed to the cause. And two, the patriot wouldn't have any way to pinch her. If he needed her, then she would forever be in a place where the bargaining chips lay on her side of the table. Jen jogged the rest of the way to her hotel room, conjuring up a scheme. She'd grab the keys and clicker from her room, along with whatever cash she could get her hands on. She'd steal from Tiff's portion if necessary. Using whatever she had, she'd pay a taxi to get to Santa Barbara. She'd go to Mrs. Moose's abode. Pleasantly, she'd tell the old lady her story. Surely the old cartoonist would take her in. Take pity on her. Problem solve with her. She'd claim sanctuary with her. She'd wait out the week there until veneration celebration. By that time, the secret would be revealed. Magical Kingdom wouldn't care about Jen anymore. And she'd be free. Just careful to stay away from Patriot and his ilk. That was the plan get to Mrs. Moose's. If she could get there safe and sound, everything would be okay. Jen assured herself this. But what if Mrs. Moose didn't take her in? What if she didn't take pity on her? That would be problematic. When Jen met her, it seemed like she was alone. If she truly was alone, Jen could threaten her. Jen was young and strong. The old woman would never have a chance. She'd threaten her with serious bodily harm, force the old witch to give her sanctuary. With that thought, guideline number one flashed through Jen's head. One, don't kill. Jenna swayed her conscience that it would never come to that. The old lark would pity her. She saw it in her indented, weary eyes that night. She was a woman who had the capacity for compassion. Bald Jennifer Dash could use a little compassion. Through the lobby of the hotel, up the stairs, down the hall, keys in lock, door turn, door open. Jen's head banged against the doorframe, hard. She fell, her nose slammed against the floor, her wig jettisoned across the room. Your hair! A gasp and then a pounce. Someone was on top of her, arms around her neck, tightening, tightening, throat collapsing, air depleted, life evaporating from her. Jen defensively flung her arms back and managed to momentarily knock her assaulter off her back. Jen rolled onto her back, giving her a clear angle to view her attacker. Tiff? Jen choked out as she sucked in sweet air. Tiff torpedoed Jen, sending the full thrust of her hundred-pound body at her. On top of Jen now, Tiff's fist landed repeatedly on Jen's chest. Jen grabbed up at Tiff's face, trying desperately to push Tiff off, but to no avail. The fist flew. Pain blurred Jen's vision in ultra-slow motion, each pounce burrowing down and reverberating through her chest cavity. puncture. Somewhere. Something broken. Jen couldn't breathe. Jen the broken. She gasped for air. More throws. No air. The punches kept falling. Unrelenting. Gasp. 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 Find air. Find it. Now. Or die, Jen. Desperate, Jen's knee struck Tiff's underside. Siege pummeled Tiff and she fell off Jen. No time for thought, Jen scrambled to her feet and stumbled into the bathroom. Standing erect, opened her lungs. gasp in. Sweet air. Okay, she can breathe. But the beast was back. Tiff was grabbing, scratching at Jen's ankles, pulling her out of the bathroom. Falling onto her stomach, Jen's fingers found the plumbing underneath the sink and held on tight. Tiff now pulled on Jen's leg viciously, thrusting Jen's leg back and forth in an effort to unhinge Jen from the bathroom. And kick tiff square in the face. Down went the beast. Attack, Attack, Jen. Jen spun and latched herself onto the fallen enemy. She mounted her and grabbed her head with both hands. Why are you doing this? No answer. Jen used both her arms to thrust Tiff's head against the floor. Answer me! No response. Another thrust. Head meet floor. Come on, Tiff, I can barely breathe. I'll kill you right here and now if you don't speak up. Guideline one. Don't kill. Answer me now! Jen said one last time resolutely. I followed you. Tiff moaned. Followed? Where? Where? Tonight, you were with Antonio de Anconia. Jen slammed Tiff's head again, frustrated and perplexed. How do you know his name? He's... he's the playboy of the kingdom. What? Antonio de Anconia. first in line to inherit the magical kingdom from his father. Jen let go of Tiff's head. I... I don't understand. You were fooling around with the prince of the powers of this world. I saw you. I saw you go into the new ride. You and your prince. Tiff's moans morphed into vitriol. What's your secret? What'd you have to offer him to get your VIP pass backstage? Jen used her thighs to tighten her grip on the monster. So what? I got what we needed, and I paid a price for it. Jen touched her white scalp. Tiff hocked a loogie into (sighs) Jen's eyes. Blinded, Jen reached to pull the mucus out of her eyes. Tiff took the opportunity to use her free hand to punch Jen in the ribs. searing pain, a searing pain. The rib must be broken, Jen thought, as she fell back. So much pain, and so tired. But another round must be fought, as Jen's eyes focused, making a structure out of the world beyond the pulsing pain shooting through her body out of her lungs. Tiff was gone. Jen sat, back against the shower window panel, holding her ribs with one hand, in a futile effort to numb the pain. Air came in through short, erratic breaths, but where was Tiff? Jennifer calling Dash. There are three ways this can go, Tiff called out from somewhere out of sight. One, you can tell me what you know, reveal the secret. Two, you can let me cut you. Tiff appeared in the doorway, standing with a switchblade in hand. Or, you can die. No one will care. Magical Kingdom will be glad you're gone. Patriot will shrug. And your mommy and daddy never loved you anyway, right? Tiff took two steps toward Jen, just out of reach from Jen's foot. So what's it gonna be, Tinkerbell? Are you going to behave, or are we gonna have a little party, just the two of us? It's a demon ride, Jen blurted out. You're in this little car thing, like a chariot. And you're in the desert. Jen paused as she gasped for breath and gasped for a fuller lie to spout. It's all inside, but somehow they make it seem like it's in the desert. You float along, and you go. The day turns to night, and all these demons appear. A demon behind every rock, and and there's a demon that jumps onto the back of your chariot thing. Like a mechanical thing or something. It was... it was terrifying, and the demon... he whispers to you. What does he whisper? Good. Tiff was believing the tripe. He whispers... he whispers... Eat. Eat it all. Eat... eat everything. Just... on and on. Like... like that. For a while. Tiff's eyes widened. And then? Why couldn't... why couldn't you just be happy that I found out? The secret. Why do you have to be... But one, why should I tell you? Because I know which peak this ride's going to. And I know its name. I'm not going to tell Patriot. I'm telling the parrots. They've offered me a better deal. Flusher and I have been working both sides for months. But. But Patriot knows, doesn't he? He must have only heard about Flush. He took the boy out, but left me fine. It could be a trick. Tiff. It, it could be a trick. It doesn't matter. I'll leave you here and be safe by midday. Parrots are nicer anyways. They got better digs. I got so tired of living underground, it's not right. Tiff trailed off before redirecting herself. Well, go on anyway. And don't forget I'm the one with the knife and you're the one that needs to see a doctor. (sighs) The chariot swirls like a flying saucer. It's really dizzy and that throws the demon off. But there are others. You're in a valley with hills surrounding you. Demons are popping up from every hill they scream hideous screams at you and all sprint straight towards you hundreds of them and when they're just about to get you I screamed and the chariot, the chariot started levitating it was like a blue light a, a, a tracker beam pulling us up into the heavens we went up and up and up through some clouds once we were so high we couldn't see the gargoyle demons anymore they were just clouds and the clouds blended into one another so that all you could see was white pouring in from every side. It was amazing. A tear streamed down Jen's face. She was so wrapped up in the gravity of her own story. And then, as it was coming from within, like, from within the heart, a low, super low voice said, Well done, good and faithful servant. And there was beautiful music. Jen closed her eyes and smiled. And singing. A chorus all around us. Jen opened her eyes, stared blankly at her cruel friend. And then the lights dimmed, and the ride was over. We were right back where we started. And where is it going? It's headed your way. St. Anthony's. Tiff's eyes welled with passion and hope. Jen also thought she caught just a moment of regret and shame in those eyes. And, and, uh, the name? Earth Below, Jen said. Earth Below, Tiff repeated. Then she lunged at Jennifer. Jen stuck her feet up. Her feet met Tiff squarely in the stomach. With that, Jen thrusted her feet out, catapulting the skinny attacker across the room. Tiff's head hit the doorframe hard. Her body fell like a ragdoll. The switchblade launched in the other direction, landing in the middle of the shower tub. Tiff was out. Gone. Unconscious. Jen wasn't going to wait for her to awake. She got up, grabbed the moose key, the clicker, tossed the wig back on, stashed whatever money you can find in your pockets, and go. But look one last time at your combatant before leaving. The pool of blood under her head is still expanding its perimeter. That's an awful lot of blood. 1 don't kill 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 don't kill don't kill don't kill 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 As Jen made her way surreptitiously down the stairs, through the hotel lounge, past the front doors, the first guideline rang through her head, unrepentantly. One don't kill. One don't kill. Did did she? No. Of course not. Tiff wasn't dead. She just had a head injury. Head wounds bleed profusely. Everyone knows that. She was unconscious. Could she bleed out? Would rest in that moment kill her? Should I call an ambulance? Or hotel security? I could make an anonymous call. But from where? You don't have a phone, old girl. And even if you do, you know the men and women in black are keeping tabs on your hotel room. If you alert any attention to your room, you know you'll only bring more suspicion upon you. But what if she does die? I'll be wanted for murder. One, don't kill. 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 Cause and effect. Every action has an equal and opposite reaction. The action, self-defense. The reaction, Tiff got wounded. Perhaps mortally so. What was done was done. She already was a girl on the run. There was no stopping now. Tiff's blood was on Tiff, and Tiff alone. Jen repeated that mantra to herself to try to blare out the overture of guideline number one. One. Don't kill. Tiff's blood was on Tiff, and Tiff alone. Tiff's blood was on Tiff... And Tiff alone. Tiff's blood was on Tiff. And Tiff alone. Tiff's blood was on Tiff. And Tiff alone. Tiff's blood was on Tiff. 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 Tiff's blood. Tiff's blood. Tiff's blood. Tiff's blood. Tiff's blood. Interlude. A priest named Daniel worked and dwelled in Oakland in the early nineties. Daniel died August 5th, 2011. When he was lowered into the earth, his journal was buried with him. The following is written in that journal. April 2nd. Old man came to me today. Never seen him before. Had to be in his late 60s or 70s. Comes in, mumbles under breath. Ask him to repeat himself. Responds, Can a vampire go to heaven when he dies? Tell him the usual. God wants all his children to spend eternity with him, and no such thing as vampires. Old man melts into wailing, Ask him for his confession, says through tears that he's going to die today, asks me if I'll say last rites for him, tell him that's only for those who are dying, says he is, pleads with me to say it, Ask him again if he has confession, Says he has written it down. Asks if I'll read it. Forgive him through the words. Tell him that he needs to be freed from guilt. More crying. Says he's so scared of dying. So scared. Never seen that type of fear before. Old man begs. Pleads. Won't leave until I take journal to read and give death prayer. His words. Finally. Oblige hands me a bundle of papers wrapped in rubber bands, at least 500 pages long. Say, to get rid of the foul-smelling old sinner, through this holy anointing may the Lord in his love and mercy help you with the grace of the Holy Spirit. May the Lord who frees you from sin save you and raise you up. Left me alone with the papers. Later entry, March 20th. That old man that came to me last year wanting me to give him his last rites... That man's face has stayed with me. I've heard people tell me horrible things over the years. I've seen men cry for a thousand sins. Alcoholics who beat their innocent children. Adulterers, idolaters, slanderers, murderers, every filth of every kind. But that old man and his breakdown in my booth, that scarred me without end. He asked two questions. If vampires go to heaven and if I would read his journal. I took it, I did. But I never read it. I stashed it away. That is, until I saw his face in the newspaper this morning. Until I read his obituary. The obit said he had a daughter born just last year. I should find her. See if she's been taken care of. A girl named Tiffany. She must have been born around the same time he came to me. Such an old man to be a first-time father. I find his manuscript and... Then I tried to read it, thought I could pray for his soul in purgatory. I took the day off. I read every page of that thing, that hideous thing. Most of it's nonsense. The man was clearly schizophrenic. God, did you make him this way? Did you give him this disease? Why does he haunt me so? I need to find his daughter. I need to find his Tiffany help her break the chain, her father continued. Oh God, what's wrong with me? Why does he haunt me? His journal. Besides the obvious obsession with demon imagery and vampires, there are pages and pages and pages and pages filled with just the date. August 6th, 1945. Here, one excerpt. August 6th, my date and my curse. Why is my birth marked with such death? Sea of radiation, do I see? Those Jap souls, where are they now? The dark hands, the Americans, they kill to win. They do, but at my cost. My soul stuck in its uranium. August 6th, my birth and my death, and the day of mass judgment. Soon it falls on me, but what could I do, Lord? It was he that stuck first his teeth in me. Or this one. Everyone knows the thing about the mirrors. I knew not to expect to see myself. I knew that, but no one told me what I'd see in place of a reflection. The monsters. They must hide there, behind the mirrors. This world's too small for them. Why does this happen to me? Is it because of the day of my birth? He goes on and on, weaving a tale that consistently puts himself as the center victim. He goes on and on, weaving a tale that consistently puts himself as the centermost victim. He's always the one, he's always the one that takes the punishment. He's a self-proclaimed beast of burden. Take this poem written on toilet paper, but yet inserted in the middle of the quote journal. My mother beat me. My father I never knew. The children, they hate me. Pied Piper says I owe him. Why does it all involve me? Your fortune's balanced with a key that they say belongs to me. But I'll never see that door. That door to infinity. I've dealt with the insane a hundred times before. Their logic is their own, and it's never bothered me. I've always operated under the assumption that they made their own rules. But this man, this particular insanity, feels different. It feels as though his insanity was handed to me, that he plays by rules dictated to him. Every other crazy self-seeker that comes to confession knows somewhere, deep down, that they're writing their own destiny. They're scribbling down the story they want to live out. But this, it's, it's so different. He's living out the rules of some other magician. He's living out some other demon's script. I'm frightened. But I'll find that baby girl of his, and I'll stop the chain. Why did he have to suffer the consequences of some other person's script? Oh God, why do I feel so confused? Daniel never found Tiff. Tiff died in the wee hours of the morning in a pool of her own blood in the motel room she shared with Jennifer Dash. Guys, there's just a couple episodes left in part one of Solve the World. And trust me on this. Part two, part three, part four. It's only gonna ramp up. It's only gonna get more intense, more epic. And I want you... (laughs) To share this with other people, I want you to not just be alone in your little world listening to this story, but engaging with your friends about it. Doesn't that sound nice? Don't experience this alone. Share this podcast right now with someone you love. Write a quick post on Facebook right now and just say, I love Solve the World or really into this new show. Don't know what's up with it. What do you think? And just send people our way. Get more people involved. Help me, help you. Help me, help you. All the music used in this episode and every other episode of Solve the World are appropriately attributed on solvetheworld.com. See ya. Hello, I'm Marcus from Texas. I've listened to all 100 episodes of Jen's story. What hope does Tiff have? Who will comfort her in these dark times? Where can she find asylum? Jim just killed a person, and as it turns out, she very well may be dying too. Find out why next time. Unsolve the world.